Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 378. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor for 2018, Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. It's the leading trade magazine in the floral industry and the only independent periodical for the retail, wholesale, and supplier market. Take advantage of the special subscription offer for members of the Slow Flowers community at deborahprinzing.com, where you can also find the show notes for today's episode 378. June 30th may seem like a long ways off, but we all know how soon your busy flower farming season will arrive next spring, followed quickly by wedding and event season for floral designers. So bear with me as we fast forward to June 30th, 2019, just a little bit more than six months off, and that is the day before the Slow Flower Summit will take place on July 1st and 2nd in St. Paul, Minnesota. What's happening on June 30th? Well, perhaps you're planning to arrive in the Twin Cities early, and if so, you're invited to participate in our optional pre-conference farm tours and Slow Flowers Dinner on the Farm. Two fantastic opportunities to learn more about the flora of Minnesota, including a lovely and educational visit to Blue Sky Flower Farm, owned by today's guest, Rachel Ackerman. I'll share more details about the actual tour schedule immediately after our interview. But let me start by saying how thrilled I am that horticultural duo Rachel and John Ackerman, owners of Blue Sky Flower Farm, will open their farm on Sunday, June 30th for an exclusive tour welcoming attendees of the Slow Flower Summit. I met Rachel and John in person in 2017 at the ASCFG Regional Meeting in Ontario, Canada. And soon thereafter, their farm joined the Slow Flowers movement. They grow a diverse palette of plants on land about 30 miles outside of the Twin Cities in Minnesota. And they're part of the core group of growers who sell through the Twin Cities Flower Exchange, owned by Christine Hoffman, our co-host for the 2019 Summit on July 1st and 2nd. I've invited Rachel to share their story with us today. Here's a little bit more about Blue Sky Flower Farm. John and Rachel dreamed of Blue Sky Flower Farm for many years. They both have horticulture degrees and between them have a combined 30 plus years working in the industry. While working full time and raising three children, now ages three, five and seven, they started the farm by planting woody cuts, including dogwoods and willows on John's parents' dairy farm. The couple now owns a 10-acre farm near Elko Newmarket, Minnesota, south of the Twin Cities, where they have diversified into a year-round operation with spring woodies, and that includes pussy willows, lilacs, forsythia, mock orange, sweet peas, and peonies, summer crops, including nine bark and raspberry foliage, dahlias, baptisia, scabiosa, status, and anemones, fall crops, including bittersweet, sunflowers, rudbeckia, broom corn, and unique gourds, and their winter crops, flame willows, curly willows, and dogwoods of many colors. Blue Sky Flower Farm also serves its community through a bouquet shares program each summer. I'll let Rachel share more about how she and John have developed their market channels to serve a number of wholesale clients in both floriculture and horticulture. In the past, before diving deep into flower farming, Rachel and John worked in the commercial wholesale nursery industry, including a number of years spent at Bailey Nurseries, one of the largest plant companies in the U.S., and where they met. Because of those ties, it is fitting that we've invited Rachel to join the stage at the Slow Flower Summit to introduce our keynote speaker, Terry McEnany, president of Bailey Nurseries. So we'll have more details about that when we get try to get Terry on the, on the show soon. 
Let's jump into my conversation with Rachel. And I invite you to listen as she describes her love affair with plants and how that passion led her deep into the Minnesota floriculture community. You'll want to visit DebraPrinzing.com to see the show notes for today's episode 378, where I'll post all the beautiful photos Rachel has shared, including her family, farm, and flowers. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I'm so excited today to have on the line Rachel Ackerman of Blue Sky Flower Farm in Minnesota. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Deborah. Thanks for joining me this uh, Thanksgiving weekend <laughs> to talk about yeah. flower farming. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's pretty gloomy and rainy in Minnesota, but... <laughs> well, Seattle isn't that much different, so I guess it's uh, just the, the season, Um it's the end of flower farming season for a lot of people. Can you talk a little bit about uh, where you are in Minnesota and, um, you know, what, what Blue Sky Flower Farm is? Uh, yeah, so uh, we have a farm, a 10-acre farm. Um, we farm about an acre of it currently at the moment. Uh, we are 30, approximately 30 miles south of St. Paul. Okay. So we are roughly zone 4B, um, but we're in pretty close proximity to the Twin Cities. Uh, we're right off Interstate 35. As the crow, uh, crow flies, about uh, 10 minutes. Okay. 10 minutes right off the interstate. That's crazy. And we is you and your husband, John Ackerman, right? Yes. And our three little minions. <laughs> <laughs> what are your children's ages? Uh, we have, uh, Violet, Leo, Ollie, and they are seven, five, and three. Oh so gosh. they're busy. <laughs> oh my gosh. And, and your flower farming, uh, while also raising those children. So that's impressive. I don't know if they help or not. I mean, calling them minions implies that they, <laughs> they do something. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, they help it loosely. I'll use that term. <laughs> loosely. I no, love they're they're pretty good. <laughs> That's fun. Well, um, we, you and I, I should have said earlier, I've met Rachel and John. Originally, we met at the um, 2017 ASCFG uh, conference up in Ontario, at, which was really fun. And we realized we have some friends in common, uh, ma mainly through horticulture. And then um, when I was in um, St. Paul this past summer, um, doing an event with Twin Cities Flower Exchange, I got to connect with you again, Rachel. And that was, it was really fun to, um, just hear more about the progress of your business. Um, the reason I invited you to be on the podcast today, one of the main reasons is that we just agreed, uh, or you just agreed <laughs> to host, uh, a special farm tour um, as the kind of pre-event for the 2019 Slow Flowers Summit. And I'm so excited that people coming to the summit, um, uh, which is July 1st and 2nd, uh, Monday, Tuesday, will be able to uh, get their, you know, get out of the city and get onto a real flower farm on Sunday, June 30th uh, as a pre-event. So thank you for agreeing to open up your farm. And thanks to you and John for uh, doing that, especially because July is a or end of June, early July. That's a busy season for you, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. But we're really looking forward to it. We I don't know if we've ever had a actual tour here, so it'll be fun. It'll be yeah, it'll be really, really nice. We're really looking forward to it. Great. OK, so I'm going to ask you some questions about your farm because I'm so curious that you have a really a, a little bit more of a unique niche in that you've kind of gone uh, specifically into Woody's uh, as one of your core products. And um, but I know you grow so much more. So you said you have 30 acres. You're growing on about one acre. That's still a lot of a lot of ground to cover for a small sort of two person farm. You don't have a big crew, do you? Other than those minions. Yeah, no, we, so our, uh, we have our farm here south of the Twin Cities is 10 acres. Oh, 10 acres. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, we farm, uh, roughly an acre here. And, um, before we moved here, uh, John and I planted, uh, we started our woodies actually at his, uh, mom and dad's dairy farm. Um, his dad lent us a piece of their uh, pasture and we started that about 10 years ago out there and that's roughly an acre um, in mm -hmm. that location too mm -hmm. so we um, we go back and forth uh, we just have woodies out on that on that area and then in our farm we have about 
uh, acre or so of woodies roughly. And then the rest, um, is peonies and, uh, a lot of perennials and some annuals wow. here on this property. And it's just, yeah, it's just us so, <laughs> uh, and the kids. And, um, I, my grandparents, um, are still alive. They're in their upper eighties and they come once a week to help too. So I won't take credit for doing <gasps> it all by myself. Oh my gosh. Um, three generations. That's your, wait, your grandparents, my grandparents. So that's yeah, four generations. Yeah. That's, so that, um, that's been really nice. My grandpa will do some, you know, help me clean out the shed and do projects like that and plant. And then my grandma will tidy up my house and <laughs> I'm very, very, very grateful for that. So we do have them helping. And then, uh, my husband works full time off the farm, but, um, he went on weekends and nights. He's around. Oh, to help. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a snapshot of a modern farming family really, but there's so many throwbacks to traditional agriculture on the family farm where the generations all pitch in and, and, Often somebody has an off-farm job just to create stability in the in the family. So, yeah, it's it's wonderful to see it working for you. Yeah. Um, I I do want to go back to your point about planting woodies ten years ago on John's parents' dairy farm. Um, coming out of horticulture myself and garden writing, especially writing about design, I learned early on from so many smart floral uh, garden designers that you plant trees first. Like that is the slowest thing to grow. And it like the, 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 the plant that you want to have be mature and flourishing and you can't fast track it. So kudos to you for planting Woody's 10 years ago. I mean, that's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we started, we started that. And then we, before we moved on this property, we, um, we both were working full time and, um, that was our side job. Okay. And so we have been selling like woodies on the side, I bet for maybe seven or eight years um, uh, while we both had full-time jobs. And then when we moved out to this property um, here, uh, it'll be five years in June. Then I decided to stay home with the kids and we had our third child. Um, and then we start, started <laughs> planting, planting even more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But so we had that established a little bit earlier. Um, just mostly that was mostly uh, willows and dogwoods. Okay, I was going to ask you about what, what actually falls into that category. So um, willows and dogwoods, uh, which is what, salix and cornice, right? Those two categories, those two genre, uh, genus of plants. Um, yes. But a lot within that, right, in terms of yes. varieties. Yeah, I think there's maybe 10 varieties planted out there. And so I guess this, the, the plan or the, the decision was when you move to your own land, you're not taking all that all that established plant material with you. It's like, it's not, that would have been really unwise, right? I mean, you just have to kind of leave it in place. Yeah, it works out really well. Um, we will harvest, they're a, a little bit cool, colder than us. Mm. And so the, the foliage will usually drop at that farm um, a week or two before it drops here on our farm because we're just that much more south. Mm -hmm. um, and so we are able to harvest that first and get started. Um, and sometimes it works to our advantage to have two different locations. Um, one year we had some hail damage on one farm and not the other. Mm -hmm. Um, so that worked to our advantage too, but, uh, yeah. Wow. So is it like the colored twig dogwoods and then the, um, specialty pussy willows? Uh, what, uh, yeah, we what did have, you choose? Um, we have, uh, some corkscrew willow, some golden curls, uh, two different types of yellows. And then I believe we have four different red dogwoods out there. Wow. Wow. So, wow. That's wonderful. And, and, um, we're going to talk a little bit more about how you market, but, um, how did you decide to expand when you had your own land to, um, other categories? Did you want to try to have more of a year round, uh, harvest or cause the twig, the, the, the woodies are more winter crops, right? Uh, the ones we had out at that farm were specifically, yep, harvest in the fall, and we wanted to be out of them within, you know, two to three weeks. Mm. So it's a very short window. Wow. Um, so when I decided to do this full time, um, the idea was to make it a more established business year round. And that's where we started incorporating um, more of the spring woodies. So like pussy willows, um, some of the flowering prunus, uh, snowball viburnums, mm. uh, orange, things like, you know, a lot more of the spring flowering things. Um, and, um, whoever comes on the tour, will see this too, but I never was able really, you know, a lot of people suggest like 
grow one or two things, grow them really well in, in large quantities. I pretty much took that philosophy and did the exact opposite. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. It's like, well, that dogwood looks really cool, but this one looks better. And that one is a little bit different. And um, we sort of have a niche for growing things that um, are a little bit different. Maybe yeah. not the most, you know, bread and butter, most popular items, but uh, it's maybe the horticulturalist in me. Mm -hmm. But I have, I just have the itch to try the things that are different. And so our farm is, um, I wouldn't say a little bit of everything, but it's a little bit of a lot of different things. <laughs> it's a little bit of what Rachel is speaking <laughs> out about. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, there's that whole, there's that whole notion in, in garden design about like the, the plant nerds who, who my girlfriend always says you plant in drifts of one, but you have thousands of those drifts. <laughs> Just, yes. <laughs> Oh, well, you know, at least you're happy yeah. with your plants. I love that. Yeah, um, and we know like, that we know that monoculture or monocrop isn't really healthy for a farm anyway. So maybe you're doing something right. Yeah, it, it uh, yeah. And um, this might drive my husband a little bit crazy, but sometimes we don't even plant like in the same row, same varieties, you know, we'll skip like <laughs> nine bark, something, nine bark, something, something. And I'm like, well, I mean, that way, if some, you know, the, something happens to this one, it's not going to spread because there's, you know, a few different things in between, right. but I think it looks nice. It looks pretty. I bet. Oh, I'm dying to see it. It'll be so great. <laughs> so Rachel, the, um, the way that, uh, you're going to be involved with the, um, Slow Flower Summit is, uh, is through the Twin Cities Flower Exchange. And, um, you're one of the farms that sells through the Twin Cities Flower Exchange. Is that correct? Yes. Yep. That is correct. But you predate the, the <laughs> formation of that. So what, when you first started, how were you selling and marketing and how has that changed for you? Uh, so I think when we first started selling, we started with Woody's. Um, and it was just, uh, my husband and I have both been working in horticulture at Bailey's and some different retail garden centers, uh, locally in the twin Cities. So we had an established connection with a lot of the, um, garden centers and we just felt like there was a need for that product. Mm. Um, and so we just, I think just through networking and connections, we started uh, the Woody's, um, just a few garden centers here and there. And now we've slowly built that up over the last few years. And then um, we bought our first house in St. Paul uh, a few years after we started dating. And we planted, we dug out part of the backyard and we did lots of perennials and different um, plants that we got at Bailey's. And we planted our first row of peonies. Um, and so I think I, I was trying to remember when I did my first peony sale and I think it was in 2011, okay. I think is when we first sold, I think I, cause I was home on maternity leave and I don't know couldn't sit still. if this is a good story to tell or not, but I had a newborn baby and I had these peonies and it was a florist that, uh, we were friends with. And I just remember I, I didn't want to leave my baby in the car when I walked like the five steps in the house to go mm -hmm. grab the bunch of peonies. Mm -hmm. So I locked the door of my vehicle and I went inside, grabbed the bunch of peonies and I had set my keys on the kitchen table, came out mm -hmm. with these beautiful peonies, locked the door behind me and realized that I had locked like my newborn baby in my vehicle and within I had these handful of peonies. I think that's the first time. I think that was the first time I, um, we sold peonies, but I was able to break into my house and I'll be fine. <laughs> Every mother has done this. Okay. So I'm just laughing because I, I'm sure my children would be like, Oh, you are such a bad mom. You, you I know. left us in the car for two minutes and then something bad happened. Like you got I lost know. your keys. So, um, I, so yes, our kids, have, my daughter has been, our kids have been with us since the beginning, but I think <laughs> the point of that story was, I think that's when we first started peonies. Mm. And so we've been doing the woodies and the peenies. And then, um, yeah, Christine and I connected, I think maybe three years ago before the TCFE and, uh, had, uh, been born, I believe, or maybe it was an idea and we, um, yeah. I think, and then, yeah, we connected. And, um, for the last two years, um, in the summers, I brought flowers up to the flower exchange. Wow. So the, uh, you mentioned that you're like about 30 minutes into the city. So yeah. Are you, um, do you have like a regular 
delivery route. Like you'll take product to her. On, I believe Tuesday is the day that she receives product at the Twin Cities Flower Exchange, right? Yes. So my schedule um, is uh, Mondays I cut for the Twin Cities Flower Exchange and then Tuesdays um, I deliver. So I I don't do a lot of um, direct forest deliveries. Okay. Um, only because I have my kids with me in the summer and they're uh, priority number one, which is why the flower exchange works so well for me is because I can <laughs> fit all my kids in my vehicle. And then a lot of times they'll come with me to go see Christine and we'll drop our flowers off. Um, so that's Monday is cut for the flower exchange. And then we deliver Tuesday to the flower exchange. And then Wednesday I cut, we, uh, I do, a, I started a local flower CSA bouquet share. Oh, neat. Um, so Wednesday I cut for that and Wednesday night I, um, after the kids go to bed, I'll put together all the, uh, bouquets. And then Thursday is our pickup, uh, at, for the, um, flower bouquet share. And we have a location on our farm and then I partner with farmhouse market, um, there in the neighboring, uh, town of New Prague. Um, it's a local, uh, food market, organic food market. Um, and so I partner with her, the owner, and she, um, is our other location. Wow. So people, um, in your, who are closer located, more closely located to where you are and where that market is, um, are getting hyper local bouquets, um, through this subscription or you call it flower share program, right? Yes. Yep. yep. I saw that on your website. You sell it for 10 weeks or a, a weekly or a biweekly option, right? Yes. Yep. Wow. So roughly how many people you know received your bouquets this past year? Uh, so I limited it to 30. Oh, I with, see. <laughs> yeah. So it's not a lot, but I felt like with um, the flower exchange and my kids are home for the summer and they're still really little. So yeah. I wanted... I had a lot of interest locally, um, but I, we don't have a local florist in town. We're a pretty rural community. And I wasn't exactly sure how to um, how to navigate that. You know, I didn't really, I, I like to keep our, our home a little private with the kids in the summer. So I didn't really want people coming and going, you know, bouquets or cutting flowers. And so I wanted to offer, you know, something to the community and connect with our neighbors and friends. Um, and this just felt like the right thing to do. And, um, it was really interesting. I thought maybe people would come and just grab their flowers and go. And there were a few people like that. Uh, but a lot of people stayed around and, um, they bring like their parents, we have chickens. So they bring, um, their mom or dad over and they'd go feed the chickens for a little bit. And, um, we have like a, a mound that overlooks, it's actually a septic mound, which doesn't <laughs> sound that great, but it overlooks our uh, flower farm. And so I had like a dad and his um, two daughters would run up to the mound and sit on the hill and look at all the flowers. And oh, it was, neat. it was really cool. I felt like people really connected with the farm and that was something that I didn't anticipate at all. It didn't, I, I didn't think about that when I originally thought of it, but um, it's been a really cool connection. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think that's what we always talk about, like telling your story, connecting people to your land and helping them understand that real people grow these flowers and they come from my own community. And like, you could make it really formal or you could just let it be organic. And it sounds like that's worked for you that you just sort of, people discover on on their visits what's really going on at Blue Sky Flower Farm. Yeah. That's yeah, wonderful. Really mm -hmm. Do you get asked to do uh, weddings and events, uh, Rachel? I'm sure you do. Yeah. <laughs> How do you yeah. handle that? <laughs> um, I, at this point, I, I just had someone ask me a couple days ago, and um, I've, de I've declined only because of the time commitment. Mm -hmm. I just feel like, I'm not in that place right now, but, um, I know I was talking to someone, I'm like, maybe I need to find that perfect person that I can work with and partner with that can sure. use my flowers mm -hmm. and do all the design and kind of manage that. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of thinking that thinking that something in the future will come from that, right. but and I'm when, exactly sure how I see it. Yeah. I mean, you still have toddler basically, so it's hard to be gone for the weekend setting up a wedding and, you know. I think you're making the right decision. Your flowers are, are popular and they're selling well, and you don't necessarily have to um, hustle to build those channels because you. it sounds like the Twin City Flower Exchange is re reaching all the, all the wedding and event florists who you know, want local product. Yeah, 
Yeah, it is really great to have that outlet. I really, really like it. Mm-hmm. It re- works really well for our, for my business model and our family structure. It's just um, a win-win for us. Well, I should mention that uh, actually the second day of the Soulflower Summit on Tuesday, July 2nd, Christine Hoffman has invited all the attendees to come during delivery day, <laughs> watching farmers like you show up <laughs> with, with maybe product and children in the car. That would be fine. <laughs> um, and just to kind of get a f- sense of the flavor of, of how a Wholesale Flower Hub works in terms of just the vast numbers of people it takes to pull this off. So uh, I'm sure that it's you've got, you guys have it down to a kind of a routine, but it'll be fun for attendees to experience that and also just um, see the diversity of, of what's being grown in Minnesota. So yeah, I think that um, sometimes Minnesota doesn't get enough credit because they think, you know, we're really cold. And But um, all the flower farmers that Christine has a part of this collective is, mm-hmm. you know, some things we do grow, you know, that are the same. But we all have a little bit different personality and a little bit different growing. And um, there are so many unique things that are coming in off our farms. I'll, you know, and when I drop off, I'll see you know, someone else unloading. And it's just, I'm, I'm sometimes taken back, like, wow, that is so beautiful and so cool. And I can't believe, you know, that we're growing such unique and amazing things. So Mm. it's really, really, um, really amazing. She's really tapped into some really cool growers. And um, she has a great community of um, buyers that come in. you know, I'll, I'll text Christine a picture and be like, do you think someone would be interested in something like this? And it will be just something really different, you know, that mm-hmm. maybe isn't a traditional flower used in weddings or bouquets. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yes, bring it in. And then, you know, a week or two later, I'll see a florist has used this, you know, uh, I don't know if it's like a purple tomatilla or mm-hmm. I have some different, you know, or like prairie smokes or, um, even more unique things than that. And just the creativity of the, what these designers are using. Um, it's just, it's really incredible. It's really cool. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that the growers really need to see so that they're, you know, kind of affirming that these are the right crops to grow and that you're going in the right direction. Yeah. Hey, Rachel, do you have, are you all field grown or do you have any structures that you're growing in? Uh, nope. I am all field. Wow. Do you think you'll ever add a high tunnel or a greenhouse or is it just not necessary the way you've got the farm set up? Uh, I would like to add a high tunnel. Um, we're still, we're putting, um, our acreage in a cover crop next year, the remaining, cause we had been renting it out mm. to a local farmer, the acreage that we weren't currently using. Um, and so my husband, um, and I are going to turn that over next year into a cover crop for a few years. And then I think that, um, a high tunnel will be part of that expansion mm. when we get there. But mm-hmm. yeah, we're kind of at, um, I'm kind of, we're kind of at, uh, <laughs> max. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> so well, keep hearing more plants. I'm like, <laughs> my husband, John is like, where do you, where are you going <laughs> to plant those? And I'm like, Oh, I'll just dig up a little more of the yard and yeah. Know, yeah. Nice. Oh, that's funny. Well, we, you mentioned that you both worked at, at Bailey's nursery and the reason that that's important, I think to mention and to talk a little about more is that, uh, Terry McEnany, the, um, CEO and president of Bailey's nursery is going to be our keynote speaker at the summit. And I'm really excited because she's one of the most, uh, prominent women in horticulture uh, leading a large organization. Um, so I think she'll have a lot of, to share about, and we'll try to get her on the podcast later this this year, but she'll have a lot to share about kind of branding and um, kind of what's happening in horticulture and how it applies to, flor- to floriculture. Uh, I ask you to um, introduce her. So I'm, I'm excited to make that connection uh, on our podium, but what, tell us a little bit about your story in horticulture and when, you know, what, what did you, what Bailey's is in, in terms of you, in, in your whole career, because you've worked at a number of places. So give us the journey. Yeah. So, uh, my horticulture journey started out, um, I guess officially when I was in high school, <laughs> I needed to get a summer job. And so I wanted to work outside. And so, um, if you're from this area, there's uh, it, there's a community called Red Wing, Minnesota, and that's where I'm from originally. They okay. 
are the home of Red Wing Boots. That's why I know it. Yeah. Yeah. Red Wing Boots. So um, I worked at a garden center, Sargent's Nursery there all through high school and partly through college. Um, but I was talking to someone about my journey and I, I remember when I was a little girl, I would keep all my apple seeds and I remember going over to my neighbor's sandbox and planting them. Wow. And I think I was thinking back, I must've just had this in me, maybe, maybe since I don't, uh, forever, I don't know. Um, so I started at, uh, Sergeant's nursery and then I went to college at the university of Minnesota, uh, here in the twin cities for horticulture. That's crazy. Yeah. And I was through the last part of college. I was working for the city of St. Paul. I would do their designs for, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, their medians and at different parks around the, around the city. Um, and I work with a program, uh, with youth. And mm-hmm. so we would plan all the, the gardens that they would want in the parks in their neighborhood. So that was the, um, and we do designs and do all the planting and follow through and maintenance on them. So I worked, um, with that program. And then when I graduated, um, I had a friend that had asked me if I would ever be interested in working at Bailey Nurseries. And I was like, oh, I I had heard of Bailey Nurseries, but I didn't know a whole lot about it. I'm like, oh, sure. Sounds great. You know, and I went in for my interview and I was like, oh, oh my gosh. Like, <clears throat> I didn't realize it was a large wholesale nursery. Um, One of the largest in the country, right? Yes. One of the largest in the country. And so I start, I got the job in their sales department and I started working there in 2005, uh, January of 2005. And then I believe I worked there um, for nine years in their sales department. And so I worked in inside sales. And then I also, um, I think I was telling you about this. I uh, had the Alaska territory, which was really incredible. So I uh, traveled every summer up to Alaska to the peony farms and some of the uh, tomato growers and local garden centers up there. And that was just a really awesome experience. Wow. You were going to Alaska in the early days of the peony craze um, where people were still trying to get their farms established and just get the roots in the ground, right? Yeah. I think when I went up there, there was maybe, um, I don't know, less than a half a dozen peony farms. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, there was just a handful of them. So, and yeah, it was just, it was just starting. So wow. um, that was a really neat experience. And then, um, yeah, I worked at Bailey's for, I think it was nine years. And then um, I had a really hard time going back after I had kids. Yeah, um, I know that Bailey's, yeah. So, but you and John met there? What was that? Did you and John meet at Bailey's? Yes, we met at Bailey's. He wow. worked in a different department. Um, his background, he went to the University of Minnesota in Crookston. Um, and he did uh, agriculture and horticulture, and he grew up on a dairy farm milking brown Swiss cows. So he has a, a, def- a similar background um, with egg and horticulture. So, yeah, it was love at first sight. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Um, and so I cut you off when you said what he was do- what he's doing now at Bailey's. Uh, he's still there, or is he in another uh, industry? No, he is working more in agriculture. So, nope. He, we both kind of... Um, when we moved down to this area, he went more into agriculture and then I decided that to stay home with the kids. And then, um, we had our third child and, um, and then we decided, I decided to just do blue sky full time and really, um, yeah, really try to make it, a, a year round, um, something that, you know, I could supplement for my, you know, for myself being home with the kids. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, you mentioned year round and that's one thing I, I commented on earlier, what, before we started recording that I really like the way you identify what you have every season, even in winter, uh, on your website, because, uh, I think there, you know, you have the general assumption about Minnesota and zone four B and like, I always say, even in Seattle, it's zone eight. I'm like, well, my winter palette is twigs and conifers. Like it's, um, must be even more challenging for florists to find local product in Minnesota in the winter. Yeah, I think we have, um, like, we're just wrapping up our woodies, and then we'll have a little bit, um, you know, there's a couple months where we won't have, I, I guess you can use the woodies, though, all winter, mm-hmm. you know, like the dogwoods, and we do a lot of fantail willows. Mm, oh, I love those. Yeah, yeah but they get snatched I- up, you probably clear out your... You- clear out your crop and then don't have more, you know, you, you don't ha- have enough yeah, week after week, right? Pretty fast. Mm. Yeah. So those are, those, um, sell it right away, but we do also do, um, a lot of green, mm. green willows, like green curly willows. And we even have one, I don't know the, um, 
the scientific name, but I call it more of like a mahogany. It's mm. a really pretty kind of uh, brownish green. So we have that one too. And those are really, you know, if you don't want the reds, you know, if you feel like those are too Christmassy, you know, but the, um, the greens and the browns, I feel like are great to use, you know, after the holiday season when you still want um, to use the woodies mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Those are yeah. perfect for that t- period of time. Too. Yeah. Are you still selling to garden centers or did you kind of shift over to florists then after you, you changed to, to, I don't know, join Twin Cities Flower Exchange? Uh, no. So our business model kind of breaks out that most of our woodies um, go directly to garden centers and landscape maintenance companies. And we kept that. Um, that's uh, a pretty good chunk of our business. Wow. And so we keep that and we are, um, that's con- expanding every year. Um, so we did, we did keep that. And then, yeah. And then we have, um, the Twin Cities Floor Exchange is our other outlet. And then, you know, a lot of the rest of our flesh flowers we use, or I use for the, um, bouquet shares. Mm-hmm. So I've sort of, that's interesting. So the, and I've worked for Garden Center before too. I know, it, I, I think I know what you're talking about. We're like, they're bundled uh, decorative, as de- decorative decor for people to either have in their homes or to poke into their c- containers, right? Just to add some interest and color into a, a, like a dormant container garden on the front porch. Is that sort of how they're used or? Yes. So a lot of them are used. Um, yeah, we bundle, everything's bundled and we have everything graded out by size and we do three different sizes. Mm. Um, so we have, you know, some, the smaller ones that people use a lot of, that's a more popular size with florists. It's a lot, um, for like wreaths and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have a middle size that works really well for, um, spruce tip planters. That's a big thing in this area you know, where you get like the planter and you put the evergreens and birch logs and then your dogwoods and willows. Um, and, and you're just like poking it into the existing soil, but you're not truly planting it, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. And then we have a larger size for people that do installations mm. or want to get lights from them. Um, but this, I noticed in particular this year, a lot of garden centers are doing um, like build your own planters um, and a ton of workshops. And mm. so um, I've seen a huge increase in that. So um uh, we do a lot of um, our bundles and things like that go directly for um, like workshops and, and things like that at garden centers. Wow, that's so interesting. Are you seeing any of these retail garden centers or specialty garden centers adding floral design as a like a, a service or a department? I, I'm seeing that in spotty, you know, sort of spotting around the country uh, as a, like an option, not for everybody, but for people who maybe don't have a lot of local florists in their market. Um, I haven't seen so much of the floral design, but I have seen a huge increase of like D the do your own, mm-hmm. um, different, you know, centerpiece or like holiday centerpieces. Mm-hmm. So like evergreens and things like that. Um, and then a lot of the, the do your own, um, spruce tip planters, mm-hmm. uh, not so much of the floral, but uh, it's still part of the like make and take kind of phenomenon yes. in garden centers to, to, yes, I have seen a huge increase in that. Yeah. That's interesting. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, when we come out to blue sky flower farm, you said it's about like, like from the St. Paul area, like roughly how long will that drive be? Uh, it's about a half an hour from downtown St. Oh, Paul. That's not bad. We'll, we'll try to encourage, give people a map, encourage them to carpool and uh, come, come visit for a walkthrough at the farm. Uh, that's going to be oh. beautiful. Will you share some photos so I can put them on the show notes and uh, get people excited? I mean, it's end of June, early July. What are they going to see? Uh, let's see. We will have, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot, uh, we'll have a lot of perennials flowering. So delphiniums, um, we'll have a lot of foliages. A lot of our nine barks will be in peak. Mm. Uh, we'll be just wrapping up peonies. Mm-hmm. So we have, um, I think it's 1200 peonies. Wow. Oh my gosh. So, and, um, this goes back into, you know, people say just grow a couple of them. We, I think I have, uh, <laughs> like, I think I counted like 36 varieties. I'm almost embarrassed to say that. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. I mean, you're not selling to grocery stores where you have to have these uniform five stem, stem bunches. You're having like a, a full palette for a florist to choose from. Yes. Yeah. We grow a lot of, um, ones that most people have never heard of. A lot mm. of people have never heard of. So we grow some funkier varieties. So um, depending on the season, I may have some of those still in the cooler. Mm. Um, we'll come, we have a, a large walk-in cooler. Mm. Brilliant. Yeah, we, wow, that's so exciting. Have, yeah, a lot of peonies. Uh, we'll, we'll just be finishing. Yeah, we'll have all of our foliages. Um, and then, a lot of our a lot of our annuals will yeah. be, you know, starting to flower. Cosmos, um, 
trying to think. Well, you said, yeah, you said delphinium, so that'll blow people's minds because that really means the cooler evenings, right, to, to do yeah. well, like in Alaska. Yes, yep, and I'm trying to think what else. Um, we'll probably have some hydrangeas in flower. We have, uh, let's see, like maybe seven or eight different varieties of hydrangeas. And no, no surprise there because that's a Bailey specialty, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. We The nice thing uh, I'm looking forward to showing people at the farm is we have our traditional, you know, flower field, but we have a lot of really neat pockets around our farm. So we have a little area I planted like around our chicken coop with one of this and one of that, just different things that I've gotten from other horticultural friends. And we have um, a little shade garden and we have a wildflower garden and wow. just a really neat. Awesome little neat spots if someone's interested in seeing um yeah kind of out the box things when they come visit yeah, yeah. How, how you organize your 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 land basically yeah and i think yeah. also also uh, this whole idea of like looking to horticulture for unique plants that could be used for the cut flower industry i feel like that's that's the story that i'm so fascinated with at blue sky flower farm because you are um, not limiting yourself to maybe what's in the in the traditional catalogs that cut flower farmers are ordering from. You're looking to maybe just what you and John both know, having had worked in, you know, on the on the gardening side instead of the just cut flower farming side. Yeah, we um, we like trying new plants, and I'll be like, oh, I wonder if this will work, you know, for a cut. And well, <laughs> let's try it. <laughs> Uh, Dig cool. up another section of our of our lawn, and um, it's it's fun though. It's really fun. That's it's neat. what I enjoy most about about doing this. That's wonderful. Well, I'm so excited that we're going to see you there, and I know it's yeah. six six plus months away, but um, the timing is perfect because we're just going to post the information about the uh, Sunday activities uh, at the SlowFlowersSummit.com website. Um, hopefully this week and we'll have um, information both about the tour of your farm and the tour of another farm along with um, our Soulflower Supper that we're going to have on Sunday night um, as sort of a separate additional thing that um, people who can come together and just have an intimate gathering around the table on an, uh, a fellow flower farm. So to be continued, I don't, we don't have all the details worked out, but hopefully they'll be posted very soon. And um, for today's show notes, I would love to show photos of Blue Sky Flower Farm, Rachel and you and John and your wonderful minions and uh, <laughs> some of the vast you know, selection of, of product that you're growing. I know your Instagram feed is filled with it, so we'll all share links with that too, uh, links okay. to that too. That'd be great. Thank you. You bet. Anything else I didn't ask you that you want to add or share with people um, <laughs> about coming to Minnesota or coming to your farm? Uh, I just am really looking forward to meeting everyone and having uh, a, a spot at our farm for people to to really uh, see what we grow and see what grows in Minnesota and kind of put Minnesota flower farmers on the map. So I'm really looking forward to that. And um, I thank you, Deborah, for giving us this opportunity. It, it'll be something really fun to look forward to. It's going to so be great. You. Yeah, I think it's wonderful, too. We've been on the West Coast, on the East Coast, and Central was was a, the obvious next place to go. And uh, I'm thrilled to, um, to have it on my calendar. And others, two people are already registering uh, for the summit. And um, if you're listening to this and it's um, December, it's the time to take advantage of the early bird pricing for registration. So I will share more of that in our outro. And uh, I'll just say thanks, Rachel, so much for your time and uh, for being a supporter of this wonderful movement that we're all part of. It'll be great to to um, see the see the flowers and the farm and your family uh, when we're when we're out in Minnesota this summer. So thanks a lot. Thank you, Deborah. so much for joining the Slow Flowers podcast today. I'm thrilled that Rachel and John will open their flower farm and host Slow Flowers Summit attendees to experience a summer afternoon on their uniquely beautiful Minnesota flower farm. 
Their farm will be open between 1 and 3 p.m. on Sunday, June 30th for self-guided touring. We'll have links to more details in today's show notes. Immediately following our time at Blue Sky Flower Farm, attendees are invited to travel to a second venue, Green Earth Growers, a woman-owned enterprise specializing in nursery bedding plants, vegetables, and flowers. Green Earth Growers is also a part of the Twin Cities Flower Exchange. The tour of Green Earth Growers is free, but you'll need to register separately for the first ever Slow Flowers Dinner on the Farm, an evening of locally grown food, flowers, entertainment, and camaraderie. Tickets are $100 inclusive, and you can find the link in today's show notes at deborahprinzing.com and also at the slowflowerssummit.com site. We're partnering with Green Earth Growers owners, Jenny and Jolia, for this event, and I promise to feature them and their stories on this podcast in the near future. The Farm to Table Dinner is a production of Monica Walsh, owner of the successful Dinner on the Farm series that takes place each year in the St. Paul, Minneapolis area. Dinner on the Farm creates unique local food experiences designed to celebrate farmers, growers, chefs, brewers, distillers, makers, and artisans dedicated to good, sustainable food. Through a series of roaming culinary events, Monica and her collaborators work to connect people back to the land and to the farmers and artisans who are making their community a better place to live. If you attend the Slow Flowers Dinner on the farm, you'll join with me in an intimate sensory evening celebrating our true sense of community with other summit attendees, Slow Flowers members, and our summit speakers in a relaxed environment taking place just prior to the following day's summit conference. I can't wait to see you there. If you're planning on attending the Slow Flower Summit, December is the month to take advantage of early bird ticket pricing and save $100 off the registration rate. Slow Flowers members can register for $275, which includes one and a half days of conference sessions, morning refreshments on July 1st and 2nd, and lunch and a cocktail reception on July 1st, plus a fabulous program, People and Flowers. Save the date and secure your seat. Slow Flowers members receive special discount pricing and everyone receives $100 off with the early bird rate on sale now. We have a vital and vibrant community of flower farmers and floral designers who together define the Slow Flowers movement. As our cause gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, The momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and I invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deborahprinzing.com homepage. I especially want to thank our latest donor, Sarah Newton's Whistler from New Halem, Oregon. She writes, I've been listening for a couple of years now and your podcast spreads so much joy and inspiration. My mom was a floral designer in the Seattle area. She started her business when I was in junior high, and I helped her through the years, mostly with bucket washing, flower conditioning, and delivering weddings. I had other fish to fry, so I wasn't really interested in getting into the flower biz. We lost my mom to cancer in 2002. As a lifetime gardener, I was thrilled to discover the Slow Flowers movement. I'm hooked, and I have found a wonderful way to connect with my mom's spirit, through flowers. What a gift. Thank you for your important work, Deborah. Not only are you promoting an important industry, you are spreading joy, something we need more of. Well, Sarah, thank you so much. That just made my day. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 385,000 times by listeners like you and like Sarah. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. And thank you to our sponsors for supporting the Slow Flowers podcast. Arctic Alaska Peonies, a cooperative of passionate family farms in the heart of Alaska, providing bigger, better peony flowers during the months of July and August. Visit them today at arcticalaskapeonies.com. The Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Find them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. Longfield Gardens provides home gardeners with high quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season. 
from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Visit them at longfield-gardens.com. Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products and join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds, supplied to farms large and small, and even backyard cutting gardens like mine. Check them out at johnnysseeds.com. The Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers, formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. Mayesh Wholesale Florist, family-owned since 1978. Mayesh is the premier wedding and event supplier in the U.S., and we're thrilled to partner with Mayesh to promote local and domestic flowers, which they source from farms large and small around the U.S. Learn more at Mayesh.com. Certified American Grown Flowers, the Certified American Grown program and label provide a guarantee for designers and consumers on the source of their flowers. Take pride in your flowers and buy with confidence. Ask for Certified American Grown Flowers. To learn more, visit AmericanGrownFlowers.org and the Team Flower Conference, a professional floral event where flower lovers from all over the world gather for networking, learning, and celebration. It's a special time for the floral industry to come together, and whether you're a farmer, designer, wholesaler, or just love flowers, you're invited to attend as Team Flowers dreams big for the industry's future. Head to teamflower.org slash slowflowers to learn more about the 2019 conference in Waco, Texas. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Bye.